0: and welcome to the collective conversations the future of series i'm alan hunt co-founder of the collective by lewis silken and in this series we'll be speaking to innovators business leaders and thought leaders to explore their unique perspectives on future trends and insights for luxury lifestyle and brand-led businesses in this episode we'll be talking about the future of fashion fashion beauty and luxury are transforming before our eyes These industries are entering a new era where purpose is becoming as important as profit, consumers' expectations are rising, Web 3.0 presents opportunities and challenges, and the climate crisis is at the fore. I'm delighted uh, to be joined by today's guests, Francois Suchet and Jamie Gill. Francois is BPCM's Global Head of Sustainability and Impact Consulting, where he works with clients to build and deliver ambitious impact strategies across the consumer and retail sector worldwide. He has deep experience in strengthening organizations across sectors and geographies using circular economy and sustainability. Jamie is a fashion and luxury advisor. He is founder of The Outsider's Perspective, a not-for-profit incubator supporting talented people of colour transition a career into the operational side of the British fashion industry. He is a non-executive director and chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee at the British Fashion Council, as well as executive director at Roxander, an internationally acclaimed luxury women's wear brand. Welcome to you both. Now, uh, there's a lot to discuss today, and I think we're only likely to scratch the surface in the time we have. Um, but I sort of want to set the scene a little bit. Um, you know, in 2023, there is clearly a need for brands to be great storytellers, to deliver, you know, personal experiences, but to also look at diversifying revenue streams while you know having an eye and, and tackling inflation and cost of living challenges and of course sustainability and um, social responsibility it's clearly quite a sort of fragile picture and i think 2023 has a lot in store for fashion brands and retailers my opening question to you both and it's quite a big one but is you know, how do you think fashion brands should adjust their strategies to deal with the new economic realities
1: of doing business. To large brands and to small brands and, and, and that kind of macro picture it is, it is extremely fragmented. I think that's the first point to kind of highlight here is that, you know, uh, unfortunately for some of the SMEs, I think, you know, that the large heritage, some of, some of the large heritage luxury um, luxury brands, and I say luxury as opposed to luxury and fashion brands, Hermes, Dior, uh Louis Vuitton Chanel are going to be to go from strength to strength you know this year the demand from them will will continue to soar and i think you know it, it, they kind of um outrule all of the other challenges kind of you know a lot of the rest of the industry and their smes are kind of facing you know at, at times of uncertainty now and i i mentioned those particular four because i think they're doing the best the best job in terms of demand that you know consumers are still queuing up uh, you know there's a shortage of uh, of product in some of those brands and some of those hero pieces yet that, that consumers are really wanting to get their hands on so i think excluding them from from the picture uh, and anything I think that's kind of similar and akin in that true luxury heritage kind of uh, play uh, that is can just considered a safe investment piece in turbulent times as you could kind of say to other areas or to other investments that one could make right now outside of fashion and luxury you know uh, they kind of cannibalize uh, the, the, some of the challenges uh, that the rest of us are going to face and I think you know, it's hard when you, you look back at what we've kind of gone through as an SME, you know, um, through uh, Brexit, what that meant for us, what the pandemic then meant for us. It just softened completely. You know, it was hard to get goods into the country and then it was hard to hard to get them out. And then you had this massive impact of everyone worrying if they were going to survive living to whether, you know, they're going to buy anything. You know, it was on the last of the cards. And, and we had to deal with that and react with that and keep our people, you know, employed uh, as we um, as we navigated through all of that. And now, you, you know, the optimism in 2021 to 2022 was to, you know, a greater day. Uh, I say earlier 2022 uh, and now knowing what's around the corner, I think, yeah, we're back to that challenge of of prioritizing to keep the SMEs kind of alive with the the impact of um, inflation, cost of living, uh, the supply chain. The supply chain issue hasn't gone away. You know, there's Brexit implications are still there, still very much backed up. We're still dealing with that as we are. Um, uh, You know, uh, unfortunately, I think, you know, it is going to be honing in for those brands on where their best area of play is, you know, where their strength is in terms of, to consumer demand and kind of you know speaking uh, speaking further to it because i think what, what i'm trying to say is they're not going to be able to continue to operate on the strategy that we all had in place for this greater day that we were waiting for you know there was diversicated diversification dreams and plans and expanding internationally and, and 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 really trying to rebuild what you know business was back to pre-pandemic times unfortunately it's again a time to re-pivot reassess re-strategize and I you know and, and look at where the business's strength lies uh, hopefully with some lessons learned on how to navigate through all of those uh, you know uh, logistical challenges that we have been dealing with some time but I hope we're getting better at so that was my start. Transfer it's a very, go. a very
0: good very good start thank you.
2: I think I think in there's there's something in in what you said Jimmy that um I was thinking about too which is around the investment pieces and the sort of resilience of the premium to luxury market in in times of economic difficulties and um that connects a little bit to 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 some of the the topics around secular business models, the, the future of like alternative ways of, of engaging customers through um rental or, or resale, which um which can actually be in a way accelerated in this time by people kind of focusing their spending in things that are gonna maintain their value a lot more. And we see for example uh, innovators coming that are able to give you at the point of purchase a estimate for how your product is going to maintain its value over time reinforcing that investment piece with actual money and not just the hope that it's going to last for a long time or that you will be able to resell it but almost giving you like a, a sort of guaranteed price for for the future or a live estimate for for what it could be so we see those things happening more and more um which which is very interesting for the investment piece because an alternative to that could be that as wallets become a lot more tightened by the combination of inflation and and the energy crisis people could resort to going back to low price Fashion items, um, and increase the volumes of the kind of yeah cheap fashion that's usually not very enjoyable. No, no sustainable. Yeah,
0: it's it, and you know that's a that sort of race to the bottom increase of products fast fashion model is um, you know and, and I'll want to get into ESG and sustainability in, in, in more detail because of course that's really 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 topical. Here, but that's been a key problem in the industry, hasn't it? And that that sort of uh you know pivot that has happened um away from that, it would be it would be dangerous to sort of move back to to those models or those models increasing.
1: It yeah, no, it would, but you, you would think about it from almost just from that consumer point. You get it though, but you get it from their point of view. You know, you're struggling with the cost of uh cost of living. Your mortgage has gone up. Inflation. There's families to support. You know, the 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 it's squeezed on disposable income. You know, at these times, as we've seen in recessions in the past. You know, unfortunately, that that is lesser of a priority for you know the the average person in some regard. That the, the, there's big there's bigger, more imposing issues than they can for you know the choice of sustainably sourced, good, ethical product. You know, and 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 you get it. You know, from a conversation between us now, it makes complete sense. It's just, I think what 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 you one would hope and 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 as as an industry and as the media that can drive this home is that the better ones you know still like when it's coming to an affordability kind of conversation there are still options you know for responsible fashion that kind of you know meet, meet that it's just it's just you know some of the the worst culprits out there naming them you know boohoo and misguided and sheen for instance around those, those kind of plays that uh you know uh, w- one would hope that what's been done thus far uh doesn't doesn't um throw all of that out the window and that you know revenue booms there
0: yeah no that makes that makes lots of sense and i suppose it it it, it you know it opens up that sort of wider question around you know consumerism and you know the 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 tightening of wallets if you've mentioned suchet and and Jamie you know, the the sort of you know perhaps sustainability not being at people's sort of top priority because of those sort of pressures it, it opens up that question of you know consumerism demand and materialism and actually what what is it that that people feel they need and and that they're you know why are they buying or feel you know at, at that sort of level but that's a, that's probably a whole different um conversation that will sort of take us down now Jamie obviously you know part of the the great work you're doing um with the outsider's perspective and and sort of uh diversity of course um you know in these kind of uncertain and sort of you know changing times, thinking about strategies uh that, that brands need to go on w- what sort of impact do you think that 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 has?
1: Yeah no I think look um uh, as i mentioned in terms of uh, uh, you know everyone having to re relook now or already relooked or and you know in the, in the thick of re finalizing what the next year could look like with a reforecast and a, and a, and a re uh, strategy on 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 business plan etc there's no denying you know there's cuts coming uh, in in a restructure kind of across the board it kind of looks like from those uh, uh less completely s- s- safe safe businesses and, and 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 not every you know uh, the, the majority are um are exposed to volatility you know I, I i think the ones i mentioned before you know are completely uh, set aside but you know uh, everybody else is is exposed to this volatility so you know restructure redundancies is the reality i think you know that what's going to need to happen if there's soft you know uh, consumer confidence as we as we know there is these are the obvious things i think my my point wearing you know uh, the 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 driving home the need still for diversity and inclusion in a workforce is still in these uncertain times and whilst we reassess business needs and restructure and looking at what teams are needed now to drive uh, to drive these uncertain times that are again even more rockier than before we've uh, compounded if not from you know brexit and the pandemic and now into uh, what is official financial recession that who's going to make the right decisions here like what kind of talent and skill set do you need and where has that existed best because you know I think it's it's not unfair to say you know that uh, an industry that is creative fashion luxury you know we don't have an abundance of really uh, um, strong technical and professional skill set and I still I say professional in the you know in 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 the chartered form for somewhat or or traditional vocation I think is probably a better form and I think what I mean by that is that you know the rigor that's needed against those kind of traditional vocations and, and in other industries you know it, it, finance for instance banking you know uh, law you know uh, all, all of the, uh, the the vocations out there that um uh are closer somewhat to uh re- assessing risk i think you know is what i'm trying to navigate towards i think we could do with that now we could really do with that skill set as you pivot and as you understand what's kind of going on here as well speaking specifically you know for a fashion and luxury brand because we know we know who they all are um and and um it's not it's not rife with that skill set so which brings me into what i'm trying to say about diversity and inclusion that as we restructure and we look at teams you know where it, it is a really uh plausible strategy to look outside industry, uh, you know, from a diverse talent pool that could really bring something new and a fresh perspective on how to navigate and pivot in these times. And I think, you know, and learning and, and utilising that best practice, which still hammers home the need for, you know, um inclusivity and and uh, diversity in all kind of people um as we move forward, to 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 lose to lose any of that now and to retract somewhat you know as the redundancies kind of fall in and re, you know revert back to a state that we've been trying to move so far away from over the last however many years it just seems you know it's the same vein it's the same conversation of sustainability you know it's no different I think the sustainability conversations completely understood more at large and in the in you know in the consumer's mind or in just the public domain people get the conversation of sustainability and then get how that applies then to fashion and fast fashion uh, but I think this the conversation around diversity is still uh, nice to have, and I'm saying, you know, uh, you know, as 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 we fight fight for this and 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 reflecting the consumer uh, that's out there, uh, my ask to those brands as they look to restructure now is to make sure that that's still considered and 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 still even more of an importance uh, in the strategies going forward.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree, and that 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 makes a lot of sense. Are you seeing brands, you know, an increasing brands? engaging on that front, despite the the potential, you know, Turbulent times yes. coming down the road. Yeah, yeah.
1: no, hundred percent. I can speak, you know, on behalf of the outsider's perspective. The partnerships that we have, you know, we uh, from Burberry to uh, to Mulberry to Victoria Beckham to Zalando to uh, Business of Fashion to uh, um, TikTok that we have just kind of formalising a partnership now, and everybody else we're speaking to it's about 20, 20 brand partners on the on the page now are very much still uh, engaged with this conversation. Lululemon, very much around, you know, how we can get into a better to place in, in a, a diverse workforce because it's driving home because, A, they're seeing the financial benefits of having such a broad spectrum of thought leadership in business at all levels. That's the drive that those businesses have fully understood the need for that, whether that has been a partner or whether they've seen it within their own business and want to drive further forward that initiative, that the conversation still remains very much rife in these turbulent times. I think it's about being realistic around you know, what we can achieve whilst we reassess what we need in human capital. I think, but I think the ones who get this really get this, and then there's a pool of brands who just don't get this and aren't engaged. Yeah,
0: yeah. I want to sort of explore ESG and, and, and sustainability in more detail, and and I think the fashion industry is very aware of the its its part in the problem, but I think it's still probably grappling with how large that impact. Uh, has been, and you know, a, a, as a lawyer, you know, I expect to see um, the the sort of the continued enforcement of you know greenwashing, for example, by regulators. In 2023, we saw a lot of activity in 22. Um, Francois, you know, I'd be interested in, in in your views really on how the fashion industry is measuring up on this front, and whether, you know, you you do expect to see real change?
2: Yeah, you no, know, that's a that's a very good question. Um, I think there's a few forces that that we're seeing that go in the direction that of of an acceleration in the pace of change, um, increased regulation that we're seeing in France coming this month, um, in New York with uh, the Fashion Act, potentially in California later. It's unlikely that significant regulation would pass at federal level in the US for the next two years, but at at local state level, it's it's quite likely. Um, And then the EU's update on uh, the circular economy um, guidelines around fashion and food coming later this year are all pointing in the direction of increased traceability, transparency, increased disclosure. And that's going to mean for fashion brands to focus a lot more on those scope three emissions and on tier two and above of uh, their supply chain to really understand what's happening and how it can be reduced. The good news there is that we know, for example, that materials represent a very significant impact uh, of the fashion industry. And there, um, thanks to significant fundraising that we saw in 2021 and 2022, a lot of the material innovators, for example, are developing some sort of scaled facility, um, really being able to move increasingly into um, the market and offering their uh, materials to um like larger scale than what we've seen before with small pilots. So that's the first one. And we'll be able to really see how those manage to create a a shift in the emissions um, of the industry. The second thing is the coordination of action uh, when it comes to just supply chain decarbonization. So we've seen last year the Apple Impact Institute creating a fashion climate fund in order to uh, create a sort of blended capital approach to investment towards decarbonization in the supply chain. Um, there's also a sort of ramp-up of technologies that can enable that, like waterless technologies or um, more effective kind of lower temperature finishes um, and things like that, plus a sort of like set of best practice that start to be fairly well-established and 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 fairly replicable um, across the situation. So those, those two things would be, very interesting to see um and on the kind of customer side customer facing side um i think circular business models are going to grow in importance uh, it connects to the conversation we just had around tightening of wallet and we know that affordability and uniqueness are the two key drivers of the recent market um and so that play on affordability will potentially be a real um driver of acceleration in the recent market and a very good argument for Brian to jump on the bandwagon. Um, the, the, the sort of interrogation that we have around this is will 2023 allow us to see like breakthrough towards profitable pathways for those models? Because so far, we haven't really seen any of the, the circular model uh, demonstrate their the profitability potential. So will... This year, with all the learnings from the previous year, the scaling, the normalization of this behavior and the population that lowers the need for education and convincing, allow for a pathway towards profitability. That's the kind of like good question. We
0: have. Yeah, it is. It is a real. It's a real interesting question. And and you're right. All of this stuff sort of comes back to what we what we were sort of talking about at the at the start. And and I'm, you know, absolutely here. You know, that there is a lot of regulation. Um, coming down down the pipe that will drive better practice but it will obviously have an impact on cost which will somewhere need to land with with the consumer but you know you're right the the rise of the sort of um you know the resale market the, the rental market is really encouraging and you know you've only got to i suppose look at you know, reality TV shows like Love Island, who are now doing collaborations with eBay, because actually that is a is a better, more sustainable way of um, having that important fashion collaboration, which are key to, to the commercial success of these um, these sort of relationships. Just to, uh, on kind of material science, which is, um, you know, we 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 sort of we we talk a lot about. Um, businesses like Pangaea or, or Gorek, do, you know, do you have a sort of view on, on the future of material science and whether it's actually moving quickly enough? It, it's, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a really interesting area about whether we should be, or are we doing enough to bring new types of materials to market, or actually should we just be doing what we're currently doing, but in a much better way?
1: Yeah. So what my view on it and Francois, I was thinking you'll you'll have a a more informed view. But from the research that we that I've done or we've done uh, from my side, uh, looking at this and looking at all of those, you know, uh, startups uh, who are advancing around sustainable materials around the world, you know, and the testing and the trial and error and everything that's been done. um, What the way I see the bottleneck at the minute is there is nothing that's come to market. That we believe that we can innovate at scale, that will then test the the you know hold true as an equivalent investment piece to uh, Hermes Birkin leather uh, leather calf, you know that that stands there that is that we we can't yet bring something that we know is going to be this long-term heritage investment piece in material that's going to stand that time and be fully sustainable and ethically sourced and you know and at the same time has to uh, to convince the consumer you know h- hold true in feel and 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 quite a luxury you know uh, aesthetic it doesn't have to be the same grain or in that you know i don't think it needs to be completely like for like but have this you know uh, qualities of what traditional craft and Luxury are and then stand the test of time, be fully sourced and ethical, uh, you know, and uh, and 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 we ha- has lived long enough, or we have proof that can live long enough that it will be here for a hundred years, hundred fifty years. In the same way that 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 investment of a nine thousand pounds into a into a, a birkin is there to be passed down and passed down, and there is a value, there's a resale there that it works. Because I think if that comes and if it's in the world of mycelium or wherever it kind of comes from, you know, there is a no brainer that brands will take to it and i think you know the houses will take to it it will start coming in it won't be a full switch obviously but it can start to be trialed and see what consumer kind of reaction is and yes it will be more expensive whether the brand takes the margin hit or whatever but i just think we're not there yet uh, in terms of uh, material offering and I think you know everyone's looking at it and kind of researching into it and I know you know all of the groups have got an area of play and, and it's a big it's a hot area for so many new VC funds that are kind of being set up, set up around the world but I think you know fundamentally is that it's that basic around you know not around material that but the minute that what I'm trying to say is the minute you know we get closer to it I don't see what the, the resistance would be from for brands to start trialing to then
2: see how it can work.
0: Yeah, that, that that makes sense. It feels like if you if, if someone can crack
2: it, they are onto something pretty big. I I just have a slightly different uh, opinion on this one. Um, we work with a lot of um, mature innovators and 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 speak to many of them. Um, I guess the uh, the the corollary to what Jamie just said is what we've witnessed is. The the, the significant change of interest from brands to explore and investors to actually support material innovation. Um, Seven years ago, innovators in in the material space were really struggling for traction and, and for capital. What we've seen is in the last year, some of them raised over 100 million dollars. So what we can see is a significant acceleration in in funding, in the talent that's directed there, in the research um, that's happening. And so it it feels like this. A few of those materials, um, and we work very closely with with MicroWorks and and with Avenue. Um, a few of those are getting very close to reaching what um, what, what Jamie was saying. Um, for example, Evernu launched a material last year that outcompeted nylon in terms of performance and, and resistance. Um, and Hermes is doing significant piloting with, with Microworks in order to see how they can integrate their material in the, in, in their collections. And, and in addition to the, to the material innovation, there's also the understanding of the climate impact of existing materials like cotton, wool, cashmere. And how improved farming methods, for example, can significantly reduce the impact. The strides in uh, regenerative farming that we're seeing and the, the growth in interest and the number of brands that are actually committed funding and volumes to regeneratively sourced material is growing by the day. And that is also a source of um, real interest because leather, for example, could be really interesting if you start thinking of like, how can... Cattle be farmed in a regenerative way that, you know, mimics, um, the, the movement of, um, animals pre sort of like, um, industrial farming times. Um, and it's, it's the same for, for Kashmir in, in Mongolia and other places. And that is opening also to, to, to real hopes in terms of lowering the material impact of, of that's right really,
0: no that's 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 really really encouraging you know for, from both of you i do a lot of work with the um with fashion district and just sort of part of the um you know and they they, they have a, a whole sort of fashion futures kind of uh piece looking at material science and, and actually a lot of the sort of applicants for uh the, the sort of grants and that that we see it's really encouraging stuff so there's a lot going on there and sort of may may it continue I want to talk a little bit about the metaverse partly I feel like I'm sort of um, contracted in some way to talk about the metaverse because I talk about it all the time um, and and regularly sort of speak on it but also because it wouldn't seem right to talk about fashion and not talk about um, the metaverse and Particularly, you know, you, you'll both be very much aware that luxury brands are and have been real early adopters in this sort of new marketing space and are really actually key drivers of, of change. Now, you know, I speak to a lot of people about it. Some people find it gimmicky or some think it's genius. But, you know, in, in a world where, you know, digital marketing um, is fundamental uh to to the success of, of any brand it feels like a play that needs to happen um even if you're not sort of fully bought into it and we are seeing lots of changes obviously to cookie laws so first party data is going to become and is much more important again metaverse play with brand is, is a good way to doing it I, i'd just be keen on your thoughts i mean firstly you know are you fans of the metaverse do you play in the metaverse uh what what do you think
1: I think um, I think it's such an interesting place. Like, yeah, I, I think as fa- as luxury, particularly over fashion, has been the latest adopter uh as in late to adopt um that we took this quite quickly you know took you know we saw uh, multiple luxury brands from fashion to you know Por- porsche have done it every you know everyone's had a play uh at what this new space is and i think yeah it's definitely it's it's uh it, it is from a marketing lens and I, I i will come on back to that at this stage because you know it is not sophisticated enough for it to really um you know, uh, live up to the possibilities yet until it becomes, you know, definitely more advanced and not so fragmented and, uh, you know, uh, uh, regulated and and, and 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 make kind of more cohesive sense for the end user and for the, the brand participants to how are we really, really f- clearly monetizing this that's not just a flash in the pan that uh, has actually some longevity. So, uh, I, I think it's, it, it it is a completely fragmented space, but I think what's super interesting about it is... how how I've seen it. We we did NFTs at Roxander and it was very much around we thought at that time, where I thought, how can we engage with Gen Z? You know that we're not fully uh, uh, en- engaging with, and is this a way to do it? And I think you know, at that time, still, whatever a couple of years ago it was, it was, it was, it was such a um, uh, an undesigned, unregulated space as it is. It was unformed. It was unsure that you know uh, w- we had this view at that time, and I know other brands have done the same that you'd be able to buy this uh, Roxandra NFT, and then you'd be able to wear it as your avatar could actually then wear this NFT. FT and you can engage in it and play games with it in you know in the metaverse and 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 i think you know there, there's a view that that can happen and that is happening in 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 fortnite or whatever you know all of those in um, decentraland and uh, or, or, or all of the areas that i'm not in any way an expert on so it it was naive on our part but interesting you know no harm done to kind of you know experiment in the space i think what's interesting fundamentally about web 3 whether we call it the metaverse or, or web 3 is that having a digital Form this NFT, this non fungible token, or this, whatever this is. That connection then between brand, that digital icon, that NFT, and consumer is untethered to some regard even if it's sold on or gone on to another consumer that brand can speak directly to that consumer via this nft it's not this play how we currently sit to speak to your end digital consumer your digital interface your your avatar whatever you are your instagram profile your snap chat profile or whatever you've got to go via meta (laughs) and meta controlling or you know whoever that platform is has control of how you speak to your following to your consumer you know if you're hot if algorithms working to your advantage at that time you're and therefore now having to buy access to your own following on this current digital platform is becoming extremely challenging to push a marketing message a brand message a product to your existing audience that is interested is engaged with the brand and i think what i thought i mean as i said i'm not an expert but as as this evolves what i understand is that uh, the NFT version, the digital whatever that bit of the the digital part of the brand that's been purchased or been engaged with or owned by end consumer, this conversation is linked directly even that if via that we send some message or some marketing initiative or some, you know, uh, area of experience it's going directly to them. And there's no, there's no interference there. And if that builds and accelerates and grows, and, and then, you know, comes into, I don't know, digital, you know, shopping experiences that somewhat exist, but becomes more uh, configured and regulated. That's quite exciting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Really interesting thoughts. And um, it,
2: I, th- I think what t- to, in a way, like the 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 things that we've seen that that kind of like excites us the most in in that exact idea, uh, Jamie is like the potential to complement the the real in the, the the real world with the digital world in a way that's much more integrated and the, and that feels less kind of separated and flat. Like the interactions we have on 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 social media, other things are, are fairly flat and it's it's not about consuming content and scrolling through it. It's not it's it's very hard to cap, capture people and and share kind of more meaningful stories. Well if you have that more direct contact and that ability to augment your product with something that's uniquely attached to it in a sort of digital format. Your potential for storytelling, information sharing, etc., is 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 a lot more interesting. And what what we see a lot is kind of like that that idea of how can the the smart contract that underpins the NFT be connected to the real world, um, whether to a product. A friend of mine experimented that with with some shoes he designed and I tried to attach them to an NFT to make sure that if the shoe were to be resold, for example, it could get part of the profit of the shoe reset, even if it were to go through um, a sort of third party intermediary, which kind of allows him to maintain some degree of control over what's happening, um, some degree of benefits of the work he put, and also understand how his products move in a way that's much more native and that doesn't necessarily require for him to kind of buy data sets from third parties. So it puts him into a lot, a lot more like it gives him more agency over his own work, in a way, um, which which is really um, interesting. Yeah,
0: both both really sort of interesting thoughts, and there's a, there's a lot to sort of unpick there. And this is a conversation that we will keep having on the metaverse. Now, um, we like to ask, all well, our guests a sort of final question. It's a bit of a biggie, and but I'd like you to sort of perhaps in 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 twenty seconds each. You know, what do you think will be the biggest game changer for businesses in twenty twenty three?
1: You may not have, there may not be one answer to that, but I'm very pleased. Biggest game changer. This is, this is, I, I'll go. I think this is, it's, it's loosely answering this in my, uh, in my way, pivot that is necessary for their particular brand, for their strong, as I mentioned earlier, with their area to play, where they're, they're best placed and where their strength is and getting, but then getting equipped to do that and getting equipped to do that then with what we're saying with the impact of all these changes the effects of in, in inflation geopolitical uh, instability and energy prices and all of those things and then the logistical supply chain and everything almost hard and technical and kind of you know i don't even want to say back office i'm going to say operational is the skill set needed is the skills sorry is the skill set there to deliver because you know it's, it's and it and because because what we're going to need in a way is that you the brand still wants the, the brand is very good at uh, giving uh, you know it's it's storytelling and its message and its product and where it sits in its brand and the story that it's created and pulling in the consumer into that world that's what it's been doing thus far now it's been hit you know as we all have been hit hard with macro compounded economic issues uh, you know that's going to affect us but they, you know the strongest will survive and they they need to survive and pivot and re strategize. But are they equipped to do so? And they hur- they need to hurry up and get that. I think that that's my long winded odds.
2: Francois, I think I very much agree with Jamie. For me, the the, the conversation is how do you how can brand equip themselves um, to be able to capture the opportunity that the convergence of a number of trends is showing. I mean, we've we've had that within the entire conversation, technology sustainability and the new business models that it, it brings, the economic, in a way, headwinds, but also bonanza that's coming through anyone that's going to crack the sustainability game. I mean, there's hundreds of billions of dollars of, of funding available there. How can all of these be tapped into in order to deliver a better service to customer, greater engagement, greater diversity of interaction in terms of fashion for people? Um, and creative resilience from the brand. yep, for me, that's that's kind of the exciting dimension. It's a, real,
0: it's a it's a it's a real challenge for boards and something that that needs to be on the agenda. And
1: and just to just to add in is, is time like look at where we already are like I feel like we're pretty much ri- written we got back so quickly and it's it's moving so fast and I think that's the that's the problem is that this has happened now the the consumer uh, softening is there the the confidence is being lost people are worrying about other things so are we ready now to make sure that these brands can survive because we kind of you know next month is February you know into one month of the financial year.
0: Agreed. Francois, Jamie, thank you both very much. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Alan.